0: with this tough time we've been through in this past year that we've really struggled with relationship. I feel like the church even has struggled with relationship and maintaining and growing relationships. We've just not been together the same way that we used to be together. I mean, that seems pretty obvious to me, but I want to change that. I want to change that because I want to be with y'all and y'all um, should want to be with each other. It has been a blessing for us that we have not had to miss too many Sundays during this whole thing and we've been able to be here, but with all kinds of craziness, right? And so it's only been in the last few weeks we're really kind of starting to come back and, and be a little bit more of what we want to expect out of church. Uh, but we just haven't spent the kind of quality time together that we need to. This is one of those talks that we need to have. We need to spend more quality time together. Um, and so there's some, some things that I want to do about that. If you, if you remember when we were in the book of Acts, and you would have had to be here for quite a long time to have remembered this part because I'm talking about the day of Pentecost here. So we're talking probably, what, six years ago when I was preaching on that. But some of you remember that long ago. I don't remember, you know, what I ate yesterday. Actually, I do because I only eat one thing right now. I'll get into that some other time. It's... All right, anyway, the day of Pentecost arrives, right? Jesus had had died on the cross. He had risen again. He had spoken to his apostles. He had gone around. Hundreds of people had seen him alive after he died. He went to be uh, with the Father. He sent it into heaven, and he left the apostles and the church there and said, hey, listen, the Holy Spirit's coming. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, and all these people start speaking in these languages of all these people that are gathered in Jerusalem, and they're speaking in all these other people's languages. The great works... Of God, right? They're just talking about God's wonderful works, and these people are amazed. And this whole thing's going on. Some people are like, "Oh, they're drunk." Other people are like, "Whoa, this is amazing! This is a miracle!" Peter stands up with the other eleven uh, disciples, apostles at the time, and he starts preaching. And he preaches the good news of the gospel that Jesus died for our sins. That he uh, that the apostles had witnessed his resurrection. That he rose again. Uh, that the Holy Spirit could come. He told them they should repent, they should trust Jesus, be saved and baptized. And then we read this in the book of Acts. This is Acts 2, 42 through 47. There's Bibles in front of you in those chairs if you want to grab a Bible and use a paper Bible. If you don't have a Bible at home, that's our gift to you. Take one of those home with you. It says this, Acts 2, 42 through 47. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, "'Be saved from this perverse generation.'" It's a good thing it was just their generation. That was perverse, right? Whew, yeah. Still, it's amazing how applicable it stays, right? Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. We're going to try to beat that this morning. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have enough people here. We need a bigger building for that. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that's the teaching, and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. people were saved at Pentecost, and their response to salvation was joy, was all of those kinds of things, but it was to learn together, to fellowship together, to eat together, to take communion together, to be in one accord. We've talked about this before. One accord is is like, think about when Amanda and Cheryl and Kaylee and whoever are up here, and they're singing, and they get that harmony going when it's just right and it's all flowing, that's one accord. We're harmonizing because we're all different, right? And some of us don't harmonize very well. I don't harmonize very well. Um, Singing, but we harmonize as people together, but yet we're all moving forward, rushing along in unison together in the same direction. How do you do that? Well, you got to be talking. You got to be knowing each other. You got to be in relationship. So one accord. That was their response. And as they did this and praised God in this, what happened? They had favor with the people. And the Lord was adding to the church daily those who were being saved. We're given a very clear recipe, if you want, way of behaving that was normative, normal for the early church. In fact, this is what blew out when the Holy Spirit came upon the church and he's still on the church. He's still in you if you're a Christ follower. This is what we do. Okay? Okay. We need to be like our brothers and sisters who have come before us in time and have been in Christ before us, like these people in the early church. We need to be in one accord together, breaking bread, learning, and praying. Traditionally, Christian communities throughout time have put the church in the center of the community because it was the center of community life, social life, togetherness. That's just fundamental to being a Christ follower that we're together with other Christ followers. We need to be both in the temple, or in this case for us, it would be this church. They call them temples in Honduras instead of churches. It always weirds me out. It's like it's not a temple, dude. That's like two pieces of plywood and whatever. But anyway, (laughs) it's awesome, though. It's awesome to worship with those folks. Um, But in the temple and house to house, okay? We need to be together with each other house to house. We need to be together in this place. Spending time with one another and developing relationships. God is about relationship. God is himself in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one, but three. And in the same way he's in relationship with us, those of us who are in Christ, we're in relationship with him and with each other, right? We have this vertical relationship with God, and we have this horizontal relationship with one another. This is the nature of Christianity. This is the nature of truth. This is the nature of who you were made to be. Developing relationships with one another sharpening one another, learning and growing together. Is it difficult? Yeah, it is. It is. This isn't even in my notes. I'm just thinking about you all, and I think, yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult, right? It's difficult. People can be difficult. They hurt us. They don't show up when they're supposed to show up. They do show up when we wish they didn't. Whatever the case is, relationships difficult but it's glorious as you push through and push through and deal with over time and time and time. Those of you who have been married for more than five minutes know marriage can be difficult, right? That, I don't know if you made it five minutes, to be honest. I mean, there's stuff that comes up right away, right? So it's like, oh, you're going to do that? We're going to start that? No, that's not how it was. That's what she said to me. It's never stopped. So. In any case, what you know is that as time goes, like a fine wine, it gets better and better. I don't know what wine tastes like. I've never, you know, I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Not this morning, okay? <laughs> Yet. Anyway, so, no, it gets better with age, right? The conflicts that get resolved in a Christ-like way actually lead to a more and more beautiful thing. It's that Romans eight twenty-eight. All things work together for good, right? For those who love God. For those who are the called according to his purpose, it works together for good. And so relationships are tough. But in that toughness comes building and sharpening and growing. That's the deal. Learning, growing together, sharpening one another. So I have a plan. And I'm hoping that, that God is with us in this plan. It's for the summer, this summer. And it's just a, to give us an opportunity to build relationships to learn and to grow and to praise God in all of it, that Lord willing, we will see people who see us and the relationships that we have and the way that we're reacting to the world and all that's in it and this perverse generation and all that with relationship and love and praise for God and love for one another and that we might see people added to the church daily who are being saved. So, Lord willing, in a few weeks, you're going to get a date on this. You'll get a lot more information. I will, you know, we'll, we'll try to answer all the questions you might have, but let me give you the overview. I'm the overview guy. You want details, Susan at axchurchnw.org, okay? I'm the overview guy. We're going to meet here on Wednesday nights at the church. Yeah, okay, good. We're already good. All right, Yeah. We'll move on to something else. You guys are already in. <laughs> Around 6 p.m., here's how it's going to go. We're going to bring food, okay? Does anybody like food? traditional Christian thing also is food. Okay. So we're going to bring food, going to get the grill out, maybe a couple grills. So if you want to bring some meat or hot dogs for the kids or organic tofu, Turkey, don't even bring that stuff. (laughs) I mean, just look, if that's what you're doing, you need to read the Bible more. Okay. You see Jesus eating organic tofu, Turkey, something. Okay. It's the real thing. All right, anyway, I'm kidding. Some of you are like, oh, well, that's what I... Relax, I'm joking. I joke. I kid. Bring whatever you want. We'll throw it on the grill, okay? Um, it has to be dead first. We don't do anything live <laughs> on the grill. We'll bring side dishes, and we'll explain all this. You bring some side dishes and whatever. If you, can't, if you can't afford to, or whatever the case, you come and eat anyway. There will be plenty of food for you, okay? Uh, there may be some weeks where we invite some other folks who really do need a meal and have that be part of what we're doing and connect with them, okay? So we're gonna, we're gonna get together, we're gonna eat. So the, your whole family, okay? Kids, everybody, kids running around, everybody's like judging each other's parenting. You know how that goes. You know how it goes, you know exactly. You had like three names pop into your head right now. You go, I, know, I don't know. I'm glad that my kids were already like pretty old when I got here because I would have been judged. Anyway. So we're all going to get together. That's part of relationship, right? We're all going to get together. Kids are running around. We're going to eat. We're going to have tables out there. We're going to just, it's going to be nice, hopefully. Sunny outside. We're going to get together. we are just spend some time. Then we're going to hang out for a while. Some people might talk. We might have like a big game where like we got one half over here and one half over there. We're doing, it will be, it won't be athletically difficult. Okay. (laughs) Look at me. Okay. It ain't happening. So we'll do something like that. And then what we're going to do is we're going to split off. Okay. Kids will go, the really young kids you can put, we'll have childcare the whole time. Probably get, we have a bounce house, we'll probably get that bad boy going, although adults might use that. I don't know. We're going to find out about that. Kids will go off and do their thing. The youth group will go off and do their thing, and then the adults will go off and we'll have between one and three or four different choices for what you can do in terms of our learning and growing time, okay? When it's all over... Go home or sit out. We have a fire pit out here. Sit out there and and enjoy some time together, whatever you want to do. The idea is fellowship, growing, learning together. Also, before we split off, we'll have a worship session, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. We'll just do some worshiping, probably outside, let the neighborhood hear. I don't care, okay? So that's how we're going to do that, or that's the plan. And the idea is this is a time for the Lord to grow us in relationship as a church, as families, as friends and spend some time together. Now I'm going to be talking with Randy and Catherine about how the life group thing fits in with that this summer, and we'll, we'll figure that out, and we'll get back to you on, on that, okay? On which life groups might not do it this summer, to do this instead, which ones will keep going, that kind of a thing. So we'll, we'll get to you on that. No decisions have been made there yet. Um, to be fair, this is the first Randy's hearing of this. So that's uh, Works for me. Yeah, Randy's good. He's good to go. He's always good to go. Randy's like, you know how like a dog is, is always like, this is my favorite thing. Whatever you're doing, right? You get the ball out. He's like, this is it. I love this is the best thing. Somebody pukes. They go eat it up. It's the best thing. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Now, Randy does not eat puke anymore. But he's like that. I love that attitude. It's just like, hey, we're going to do that. Yeah, that's the best thing. Let's do that. I wish I wish I was like that. I really do, but I just not all of us have that gift. Am I wrong, Randy? I'm right. I'm right, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not the same when she asks you to do stuff. Um, all right. Okay. If it is raining on one of these days when we do this, we'll obviously do it inside. We'll probably watch. Uh, uh, something, you know, episode of the chosen or something that we have picked that we'll do as families. But if it's sunny, it will be mostly outside. So bring a couple of layers just in case it gets a little cooler, although it doesn't even get dark until late. So you should be fine um, as far as that goes. But I know some people are cold regardless of how warm it is. So, uh, and there will be childcare for all ages, all that's taken care of. You don't have to worry about any of that. I'm really looking forward to this time together. I really am. If this is something that you're interested in. And, would, and are certain that you would go to or pretty sure you would go to. It actually would help me if you'd take one of those Engage cards out and be like, my family and I are, we're gonna be doing this or we're pretty sure we're gonna be doing this. That way I can start to get an idea of the number of folks that we should expect for that. So if you guys wanna do that and drop those in the back uh, thing back there, if you have a new email address or phone number, or whatever, that'd be great time for you to update us with that too while you're filling that out. Okay. <sighs> Let's talk about the things we've been studying for the past few weeks. We've been in this series called White Lies. We've been working through the lies that have been spread in our culture that have drawn people away or or are trying to draw people away from the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. These are the lies that we've been dealing with. So far, we've talked about apatheism and progressive Christianity, Now, I'm going to answer your questions, like I said, on the things that we have discussed on both of these shortly, a little bit. I say shortly. It might be a few minutes. But first, I want to talk. I want to do kind of a quick review. Apatheism is the relatively simpler of the two because it's basically just got one defining feature. Apatheism, as we studied, is the belief that belief doesn't matter. It's the religion of meh, right? Eh. You know, let's talk about God. Eh. You know, not I'm an atheist and I want to tell you that it doesn't exist or I'm a Christian. And I want to talk about this or even I'm some other weird thing. It's just like, eh, who cares? Who cares? I've got an Xbox. I don't care. That's apatheism. Okay. Apatheists do not care about questions like who is God? What does it mean to honor and follow him? What, who's Jesus? How does that all work? You know, why are we here? What, they don't care about that. They just don't care. And this is a growing segment of our community People who have become so jaded and apathetic that they just don't care. They're uninterested, uncaring, indifferent when it comes to the important questions in life. They're just kind of stumbling through life. And there's a lot of people who seem to be living this way. Who you could it's not that they're mad at you for being a Christian. We got plenty of those who think you're a bad person because you're a Christian, okay? That's fine. I, can, I can have that conversation, I can have a conversation with the atheist. At least he or she cares about the question. Then we can start talking about truth and the Holy Spirit can get in their heart and work. When the person doesn't even care, that's a difficult person. So that's apathyism. okay? A lot of people who seem to live that way. Progressive Christianity is different. Progressive Christians are people who have rejected any number of fundamental truths given to us by Jesus Christ, given to us by the Scripture, by the Bible, by God. They've just, they they call themselves Christians or progressive Christians, but they've just rejected any, it depends on the one you're talking to, how many of these things they've rejected, okay? But these are the kinds of things that they reject, the authority and truthfulness of the Bible, okay? Generally speaking, that's where it starts with progressive Christianity, questioning the Bible, questioning its authority, questioning its truthfulness, questioning its origin, questioning this, that, and the other thing, and deciding that it doesn't work for what they want to believe to believe the Bible is true, Okay? The next would be the importance of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, whether that's even an important thing or whether it was just some symbolic thing or whether it was just whatever. That's one of the things they would disagree on. We, by the way, we're the ones who think it's really important. They don't. Uh, The truth about eternal life in God, the way that that works, who we are, who God is, they they can tend to be uh, panentheists, kind of like God is everywhere and in everything and he's not separate from his creation or whatever. It's like, no, God created you. You are not him, okay? A lot of progressive Christians move into that everything and everyone is God. That is so absurdly untrue, illogical, and I won't say all the things I think about it, but it's not true, okay? So they, they tend to believe things like that. The truth about hell. They reject the idea of hell often, many of them. The truth about God's design for human sexuality, okay, that's almost without, it's a sine qua non. You like that? That just means without which not, without which not. So in other words, you don't find a progressive Christian who doesn't have a different view of biblical sexual morality than orthodox or regular Bible-believing Christians do. That's just generally always, almost always, almost all progressive Christians believe different things about human sexuality. Uh, The truth about God's design for manhood and womanhood, what some people call gender, gender. that a progressive Christian oftentimes has a different view than the Bible about what God has done in the amazing, miraculous design of creating women and men. Yes. They, don't, they don't understand that. They don't value it. They don't value the, the differences and the uniqueness of those things. A lot of, a lot of progressive Christians are that way. The truth about the sinfulness of human beings. Some progressive Christians don't really think that we're sinful. They think instead something like, we should realize that we actually are perfect. And that's the sin is that you think you're not perfect. Something like that. Which doesn't work. Um, and, the, and about the atoning work of Jesus Christ through his sacrifice on the cross and his rising again. The atonement. Okay, What we'd call penal substitutionary atonement. The idea that Christ died for our sins. Not for fun. Not for because there was a political thing, not whatever. Christ died for you and paid the price for your sins. We believe that they do not. Okay. So we have studied several of these things in the past weeks and Lord willing, we'll study the ones that we haven't yet moving forward in the next few weeks. I just felt like, I think we were eight deep and I thought we need to, we need to stop and make sure that we're all on the same page with all of these. Okay. But I also uh, want you to know why we're studying these things. You probably don't Uh, Maybe it doesn't happen as much at uh, some of the churches maybe you've been in in the past or whatever that we would talk about these kinds of things. We study these things so that you will not be deceived by those who use the force of social pressure and high-sounding or highfalutin ideas. Okay, We don't want you to be led astray. Listen to what the scripture says, Colossians 2.8. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So what is it saying? We need to look out. Look out. Be on guard because people will try to cheat you. Okay? Cheat you. According to the outline of biblical usage the word in the original Greek actually means to carry off booty. That's like you've stolen something. Some of you're like booty, we can talk about booty. I'm not talking about booty. Booty is the stuff that you've stolen, okay? <laughs> carry off booty. To carry one off as a captive or a slave or to lead away from the truth and subject to one's sway. The idea is you're being captured. You've got to look out because they want to capture you and carry you away. Okay? Satan always wants to turn the heart from the Father to inward, to yourself. Because that's how he is. That's what he wants. That's what they will try to do. We have to be looking out for those who would try to lure us away from the truth. We have to be looking out. That means you've got to be active. You've got to know what's out there. You've got to know what's coming. Like anything else, right? If, if Christ talks about if you knew when the thief was coming, you'd be ready. Okay. Well, we've been told here when it says beware because this is the kind of thing that's gonna happen. We're supposed to beware, because this is the kind of thing that's gonna happen. So that's why we do this, to be prepared so that our belief in Christ, our faith, our knowledge, our understanding is not swayed away by those who would try to take us captive. How do they do it? Well, through philosophy and empty deceit, it says, according to the tradition of man, according to the basic principles of of the world, and not according to Christ. Philosophy by itself, it's not a bad thing. I was a philosophy major when I was in college. It's not a bad thing or a good thing, sort of in and of itself. It's just a thing. It's a way of, of me, it's a method of working through issues by thinking about them in certain ways. But many philosophies are bad, straight up bad, because they're lies, because they're false, and they lead people astray. They are empty deceit, as the scripture says here empty deceit. Follow your truth is a philosophy of life. Follow your truth. You may have heard this, seen it on a meme, heard it in any number of television shows, podcasts, whatever. This is a popular philosophy in our culture. Follow your truth. The problem with it is that it's wrong. Why is it wrong? Why is it a bad philosophy? Well, Proverbs twenty six twelve. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? In other words, following his own truth. There is more hope for a fool than for him. The scripture is very clear about your truth. You don't have a truth. You don't have a truth. There is the truth and you can believe it. It doesn't exist inside you. Okay. That's not how it works. People think they know what is right, but they do not. The scripture says over and over, what if we let our hearts do their own thing, it will be desperately wicked, selfishness, self-seeking, and evil all the time. That's how it is. There is no such thing as my truth or your truth. There is just the truth. And that truth is found in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's who Jesus Christ is. Any philosophy that does not begin, start with, end with, Jesus Christ is false. He is the truth. Everything balances the entire universe on who God is and who Jesus Christ is and his person and his work that he's done. All of it. But the philosophers who are selling you empty deceit will tell you that if you are really enlightened this is the kind of this is the way they talk. If you're really enlightened you'd see that what they think is superior than what you think about the Bible, about God, whatever. If you, the reason you don't agree with them is because you're at a lower stage of intellectual development than them. You can see how you could just say something like that. Doesn't make it true, does it? But you can say it. You could say the same thing back. Well, actually, if you had you know, progressed beyond where you are, you'd see that my way is correct. See, I was where you were. That's what they'll say. I was just like you. And then I rose above. To which the answer is, you better get back down here. (laughs) They think that the way that they think makes more sense. That God is really the way uh, that they say he is. I guess is the way I would put it. They sort of make God in their own image. They sort of interpret the scriptures as if God would only do things the way they would do them. And it really does seem so thoughtful, the way that they present it. And so tolerant, and so nice, and so many things but true. You can be really nice and be a liar. In fact, most of the liars that you've met that were trying to sway you, probably were being nice. You ever met a lawyer? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We're not even nice. Car salesman maybe, whatever, right? If someone is wanting you to do something, they're going to be real nice with their lies. Silver tongued, right? It may seem really nice, but it's false. It is a false way of seeing the world. It is against the scriptures and it is against God. It is a rebellion against God to tell him that his scriptures are not true and that the way we see things now is the enlightened way to see things when it comes to all these issues that I read about earlier. We study those, these things so that you're prepared to deal with those who more and more, as we near the time when Jesus Christ is coming back, want to convince you to give up following Christ and to instead follow their philosophies and their empty deceit. And people want to do it, and so they gather around themselves Teachers that will scratch their itching ears and tell them what they want to hear so they can feel like they're a good person by putting labels on themselves like Christian, progressive Christian, while completely rebelling against what God has called them to do and who he is and lying about who he is and acting like that's a superior way to think. I don't want you caught up in that. I don't want me caught up in that. So we prepare ourselves because we're soldiers. I thought I told you, right? That's who we are. We're a fighting religion, okay? We're fighting against false ideas, against principalities and powers and ideas and philosophies that set themselves up against the things of God and the things of the Scripture. That's what we do. So I'm trying to prepare you as warriors to defend yourselves, to defend your children, to defend your brothers and your sisters, your family and your friends and your neighbors. That when falsehood comes up, you know exactly what to say in love, seasoned with salt, So you can defy the lies. That's what we're trying to prepare you for. Don't be convinced by their words or by their popularity. Many of these folks are popular folks. In fact, I just saw another one this last week. Jeff Jubair sent me a text about oh, what's his name, the the third DC talk guy that no, Max, maybe something. I don't know, whatever. Kevin Max. He's now deconstructing. He's, he's done, right? He's out of the evangelical thing. He now believes in the universal Christ and the, you know, all this kind of stuff. This is more and more. Those who are popular have become deconstructed progressive Christians. It's easier, and it'll make you more popular with the world. But if you love the things of the world, you don't love the things of God. And that's a bummer. You should pray for him as well as many others. That have gone, started to go down this path. Don't be convinced by their words, their popularity, or the claim that you'd be more loving and nice if you just rejected the Bible and thought like them. All of this is unloving. And we're gonna talk more about that, Lord willing, in our next sermon. It's unkind and it's unholy. It's not pure. You've been called into the real adventure of serving the King of Kings that's a real adventure. It means that you're going to come up against it. Christianity has always thrived when it's been at the margins. Christianity is not going to thrive when it's the popular thing, when it becomes the world. That doesn't happen until Christ comes, brings judgment, the day of the Lord, which is a very terrible thing for the world, and then makes all things new. That's when the world and the way are the same because Christ is ruling Until then, we're at the margins, speaking truth against lies and trying to see people through the power of the Holy Spirit come to know Christ and go out of the world and into the kingdom of God. We're living that kingdom life. That's who we're called to be. We cannot trade biblical scriptural truth for nonsense, empty deceit philosophies and expect that we're going to be good with God. Can't happen. You're not going to look like the world. You're not going to get along with those in the world when it comes to these things. You will not share their philosophies. You're children of God, saved and redeemed. Why would you look like the world which the devil is working in and doing all kinds of stuff? You would not. I came to understand that people were not very good at thinking logically from a pretty young age. Okay? I've lived on the West Coast for most of my life went to junior high, high school, and college, undergrad here in the Pacific, in the PNW, Pacific Northwest, okay? It is not new to me that people believe nonsense. It's not new to me that people believe that everyone can be right about whatever they think, and we can all just get along. I'm familiar with that philosophy, okay, from a very young age. Listen, this is important. We're not going to all get along, okay? We're not. We want to live at peace, as much as it's up to us. We want to live at peace with people, but we're not going to get along in what we believe. We're not going to get along in what we believe. I can love you, and I can care about you so much and not get along with you in what you believe. That's the truth. In fact, it is because I love you. This is so important. It is because I love you. It is because I love people. That I disagree. That is the reason that I disagree and tell you about it and don't get along with you in certain areas. Because the philosophies that people believe, especially in this area of the country, are false. I disagree with them for a couple of reasons. First, because I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he has told me what truth is, and he has given me his holy word, the scriptures, and I will not compromise that, because I love him, and my first duty is to him. Second, I am called to love my neighbor as myself, and that means I'm going to tell my neighbor the truth because it's not loving for me to lie to you or to allow you to persist in believing lies, even if it makes you feel better when I do lie. You gotta understand, this is not my buddy asking me, do I look fat in these skinny jeans, okay? I can hold my tongue on that, I, I never hold my tongue, I just tell, them, yes, you look like an idiot, you yeah, know, that's just the way it is. You know, I mean, look, there are people who should not wear skinny. You know what? Let's make it easy. No, no one should wear skinny jeans. I don't know where that came from, how that fad got started. No offense if you're wearing them. It's just not my thing. You know, this isn't about truth. This is just my own opinion. Okay? Um, no, but if somebody, you know, the, the classic, like somebody asks them, you don't want to tell them because it might hurt their feelings. When it's an issue of do I look heavy in this? Okay, you say, Hi, I, I got to go do something. You know, whatever you don't want to talk about. It that's fine. Okay. But they're, we're not talking about that here. We're talking about people who believe they're just fine without being saved by God. We're talking about people who think they're just fine without the, the saving power of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they think they're going to be fine. And they've convinced themselves that there's no hell. And they've convinced themselves of universalism, meaning we're all just going to go to heaven. They've convinced themselves of all these things. And they're the kind of falsehoods that are actually going to put them in hell. Not make them think they're thinner than they are or whatever that's all about. Who cares? But when somebody has a lie that's at the core of what it means to be a human being and you let them persist in it because of fear, because you just don't want to get into it right now, whatever it is, look, it's just not loving. I don't want to say anything. Well, I know you don't. None of us want to say anything. If you're the kind of person who really wants conflict, there's something wrong with you. Okay? Okay. But there's a time and a place to lovingly, again, season with salt, in kindness, in gentleness, lovingly, but directly to speak the truth to lies. And that's what we as the elders want you to be prepared to do as the church. People who believe the Bible is not true or does not apply to them are in danger of destroying their lives, destroying other people's lives, and of destroying their eternity. People who think they can do anything they want with their body, as long as they call it love, are in danger. They're harming themselves. They're harming other people. And they're in a rebellion against God. People who think there's no hell, that there's no judgment, that there's no accountability, they're hurting themselves. They're in danger. If I do not speak the truth when these lies come up, If you do not speak the truth when these lies come up, we cannot say that we truly love someone. Let's read a little passage out of Ezekiel. We're going to get to the questions in a minute. we got a little time. I went longer than I thought. (laughs) What do you know? All right. Ezekiel 33, 1 through 6. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man for their territory and make him their watchman. Okay, they put this guy up on the wall. He's got to watch out, right? You're in a city. It's got walls around it because you want to defend yourself. This person's watching out to see if anyone's coming to do harm, okay? When he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. Okay, you blow the trumpet, right? Guy hears it, he's like, ah, meh. <laughs> Somebody comes in, chop, chop, he's dead, not the watchman's problem, okay? Because he blew the horn. All right. But, okay, wait, sit, so, where are we? He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning, his blood should be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. We need to be like the watchman on the wall. We know the judgment is coming for those who reject Jesus Christ. Okay, we know that. The scripture's clear about that. It could not be more clear. People who are like, oh, the scripture doesn't have anything to say about judgment. Oh my gosh, read it. Learn how to read. It's there over and over and over and over again. It's the warnings, the warnings, the warnings. God warned his people. He sent prophets. And you know what they did? They went, meh. Or they killed them. Same thing they did to Jesus. Same thing they might do to you. Yeah, That's an uncomfortable one. Jesus was clear that we will face persecution. I don't know what's going to happen in the next day, in the next hour, certainly not in the next year or 10 years. Your life might be required for speaking the truth. Guess what? It's still your call. Still your call, because your life is in Christ. We have eternal life. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, I'm not saying run out there and get yourself killed, saying <laughs> you know, you'd have to be really you know, something would have to go pretty wrong for that to happen here, but I'm just saying. We need to be ready to blow the trumpet of truth to a world that is lost. Yes, there will be those who go, meh. Yes, there will be those that argue with you. It's not really happening. It's not really coming. We're actually totally okay, and we're all going to be okay. There's nothing you can do about what they believe. The Holy Spirit will work in their heart, but you've got to blow the trumpet. And I want you to be prepared to do that. That's why we study these things. It's not just about you. It's not just about you. It's about your children. Your grandchildren, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers. It's about all these people that you are being built up to be the church, not just in here on a Sunday morning, but everywhere you go at all times with everything you do, with kindness and humility. Not in some Karen, no offense to anyone named Karen in here right now, but not in that kind of a way, with gentleness, but with directness. We believe things that are true. You don't need to be embarrassed about that. You don't need to be ashamed of the truth. We have to be ready with the truth. We have to be aware of the lies that are spreading so we can answer them with the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus Christ. All right. I'm going to answer some questions now, see if anybody's sent any in here. Check this little texty thing. Okay text message. Um, I don't see any. All right. You guys, I guess I'm just amazing at teaching this stuff. Nobody's got any questions about it. I'm going to give you... Oh, there are. Sorry. They updated. All right. Hang on. Let me look at what... If I don't answer your question today, because I actually would be normally ending right now. Um, and so if I don't answer your question today, Maybe we'll do more of them next week. Um, wow, this is a long one. That's going to be too long. All right, what's this next one? I, I mean, I'll answer it. I just won't be able to do it today. Uh, okay, universal Christ. That's a good question. Somebody's asking about the universal Christ, but that is going to take more time again than I have right now. Come on, somebody give me a quick one here. Okay, here, this is a good one. This, I can do this quickly. Uh, Explain the difference between a Christian, someone who at some point in their life made a commitment to Christ, but maybe hasn't grown, and a Christ follower. How do either both of these match with he who has begun a good work in you? That's a great question. My mom asked it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mom. Mom. Hi, Mom. All right, here's the deal. There is a big difference between a saved person only and a Christ follower. There are people who are saved, who have gotten saved, who for any number of reasons have, people use the words like backslidden or, you know, whatever it is. They, they aren't growing. They aren't living life in a particular way. A Christ follower is someone that you find in line behind. If you look at them and you see Jesus, they're in line. They're following Christ. They're doing the things that He commands. They're trying. It doesn't mean that they're sinless, but it means that when they do sin, they repent, they move forward. Okay, that, that, that when you come to them with the scripture, they take it to heart. They don't go, meh, they don't argue with you. They say, yes, Jesus Christ, I'm following him. That's the most important thing. He's number one in my life. God is number one. That's what a Christ follower is. There can be people who are saved believers who are any different of several different levels of growth and maturity. Okay, maybe they got saved and there's a parable about this. We could get into that. Maybe they got saved, but not much has occurred with them since then. But the salvation was a real thing. They believed, they called on the name of the Lord, they were saved, but there's not much. The scripture tells us that when we face that intimacy, when we're done, I'm not talking about judgment for hell and heaven. I'm talking about saved people will go and we will go before the Lord for him to ask us a question. What have you done with what I gave you? Right? This is when we settle up accounts. Here's, here's your talents. Here's the money, the abilities, the things that you've had, and so on. Show me the fruitfulness of what you've had. And there will be some, we're told, who every work they have, it says that some things will be wood, hay, and stubble, worthless. They burn up. And some things will be gold, silver, precious stones. Those things will be our treasure. There will be some who everything they have burns up. They will be saved, it says, but as one through the flame. So think of a bird going through and the tail feathers are kind of burning. There's going to be some of those folks, right? They're coming in and there's just like smoke coming off the back. Woo! But they made it. And the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist, okay? So they're saved. They're saved. But they, but they were not a Christ follower in any sense that we can look at and say, yes, this looks like Christ following A lot of us have people maybe in our families who are like that. We're we're certain, as as we can be. Of course, we only Christ knows. But as far as we can tell, they were really saved. But their life doesn't look anything like a Christ follower right now. Well, I was like that at one point in my life. Trust the Lord to be able to bring people back. Trust his grace, his mercy, and his patience. But there is a difference. There are people who I think are saved believers who I would not call Christ followers. I would not call them that. Um, there was a second part of that question, maybe already. How does it match with who he has begun a good work in you? Well, here's how it matches. He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Okay, that's the verse. And he will be. Your tail just might be on fire. You know, that work is an eternal work. It's not, it's not necessarily, well, it, it's not. Uh, right here on earth work it the completion of it can't come fully until the full redemption of ourselves so he is working on it and the truth is here's the thing that we don't know and i'm only able to answer this one question we're going to do more next time hopefully here's what we don't know we don't know what god's doing in their life you look at their life and you're like man they're struggling with this and they're struggling with that and you know and we tend to have this sort of and we're going to talk about this with white lies too which is a judgmental personality called legalism which some people suffer from. That's also a white lie. But we look at them, we're like, they're not a very good Christian. You know, what's going on with them? You have no idea what God is doing in their heart. No idea. It's just like when people look at people and go, can you believe that person that goes to our church and they do this and that and whatever? And I go, did you know them three years ago? Because it was bad. This is great in comparison. You know, they got clothes on and everything. It's amazing. They're only half drunk in church. This is really, we should be celebrating. But honestly, you don't know where somebody's come from. You don't know what God is doing in their heart. Now, you do know people by their fruits at a certain level, but you've got to know a lot about a person to know that. So you don't know what God is doing. Y'all ever struggled? Yeah? Okay. He's still working. He's still working if you're a Christ follower. And he will complete it. And we're, gonna, and we're hoping and praying that every day we're completing it. Because I'm already in eternity. I'm not thinking about, I live, I die, eternal life. I'm already there. Yes, there will come a time when my physical body dies or gets raptured. I'd take the latter over the former, just the pain thing. I'm not into that as much. Okay? But there's going to come a time when I'm redeemed and fully made perfect in Christ. But I'm already there and here at the same time because we're eternal. Okay? That's how we live. All right. I wish I could have gotten more questions, but weirdly, I preach too long. And I know that's odd because I'm usually like 20 minutes, you know, introduction. Uh, anyway, all right. Love you guys. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us to be here, that empowers me to preach your word, Lord. Imperfectly, but I do love you. We're just unprofitable servants, Lord, but thank you, God, that we can be your servants. Thank you, Lord, for dying for us, for rising again. We deserve none of it. And we get to sit here and bask in your glory that we get to come before your throne and worship you, us. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? And here we are with the honor that in a minute we're gonna stand up and sing praise to your name. And that you'll hear it and accept it. When we were filthy and broken, liars, adulterers, thieves, everything, you name it, we were those things. And yet, we've been justified, we've been sanctified. That's the power of your cross, Lord. Peace up people, to understand it, that they need it. And the wonder and the glory that it is, that you've saved me. And that you've saved so many of these people here and online. God, don't let us forget it as the silly things of this world come. We go, oh my gosh, this is happening, that's happening. Let us think at all times, I'm saved. God, burn it in my heart that I might love you and serve you. Jesus, I love you. Let us go out as your church. Blow the trumpet of truth to a world that desperately needs you and not turn our back on them. We were that, we were them. We were outside and you brought us inside. We were spiritually dead and you've made us spiritually alive, Lord. Let us have a heart to see more people become spiritually alive and to grow and to mature and let us go deeper and deeper. God, you're good. I love you. Thank you for this church, for our church. What a blessing. Pray this in your name, amen.